And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in a way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to this people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgression or your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve the foreign gods. Then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. The word of the Lord. As we get to our passage this morning, my mind turned to something that happened uh, four years ago, not around about this time, same time here, roughly, in, in, in the fall, late summer, fall of uh, 2014. Something happened here as a part of our worship service that has not happened before, and, and not in my experience, and it hasn't happened since. But our own uh, Bridget and Mike Nelson, they stood up here in front of the entire congregation, and they renewed their vows after 25 years of marriage. And it was really, it was a special moment. I mean, this is a very, very, very special, tender moment for all of us who were gathered here that day. And I'm sure if you ask them, they would say that their vows, they, they meant something different after 25 years than they did the day they got married because they had a lot more life behind them. They'd seen, you know, the heights of success and the depths of struggle, the joys and pains of raising two Two boys moving across the country and then back. And most importantly in the, of all, in the middle of their marriage, they had really come to know the Lord. A lot can happen in 25 years. And so it's one thing to promise, you know, to have and to hold in plenty and in want, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. Right? Those are, are massive commitments for anyone to make. There's something even reckless about them. How do you know that you will keep those promises when, you know, the proverbial stuff hits the fan? When keeping them honestly feels much, much harder than just breaking them. When staying together seems like it's going to hurt more than walking away. The more weddings I do, the more years that I have in ministry, the greater sense I have that we, you know, I should say this at every wedding, to every couple. Are you really sure you want to do this? 
Not that anyone's getting married this week, but are you really sure, Kyle and Lindsay, that you want to do this? I'm not doing the ceremony, so you don't have to worry about me getting up there and saying it, but are you sure? Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> because keeping those promises is going to require more from, the, from, more, more from you than you are capable of at this moment. What we have in our passage this morning, it's, it's tantamount to a renewal of vows between the children of Israel and the Lord. This is a, a rededication, a recommitment, a renewal ceremony. God and his people have been through a lot since the last time they took these vows at the foot of Mount Sinai, which was just our passage last week. You know, God saying, I brought you up on eagle's wings. I brought you to myself to this place. And then we get the Ten Commandments. And, and then, you know, they make these promises. They, they say, I do at the foot of the mountain. And not too soon after that, Moses hangs out a little bit too long on top of the mountain for the people's liking. And so they make a golden calf and they worship it. And those were the bad times, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But God, in, in this passage, doesn't focus on the bad times. It's about remembering the good times and rededicating themselves to one another. And so we're going to look at four things in our passage this morning. Recommitment uh, and remembrance, decision, and devotion. So first, recommitment. This, like I said, this fall series is all about being committed. And looking at those stories from the Old Testament that are about this fundamental commitment between God and this one particular family, the family of Abraham. And we see that God is committed to this people despite their failings, using them for his mission to bless all the nations of the world. And we've seen what this commitment has meant to God. But just as important, we've been looking at what this commitment requires of God's people both then and now, how this commitment isn't just something that's promised to us, but it's also something that, that asks something from us too. Commitment is not a one-way street. Not in any relationship. And, and even though, of course, this is a relationship between unequals, you know, God and human beings, but there's a mutuality to that commitment that we cannot dismiss because there is no relationship worth the name that doesn't involve a, a, a commitment on behalf of both parties. You know, it'd be crazy if at a wedding ceremony, only one party was asked the questions. You know, if, if on Friday someone said, Kyle, you know, do you take Lindsay to be your lawfully wedded wife in sickness and health and good times and bad, you know, as long as you both shall live? And you said, okay, I guess, or I do, either one of those is fine. <laughs> and then, or I will, however that's, you know, however the prompt goes. And then they just just turned and carried on with the ceremony and didn't ask Lindsay those same questions. Someone would think like, just he forgot or she forgot, like something is happening here. It would be weird. It would be crazy. Because a real relationship, a real commitment, to put it in, in biblical language, a real covenant, it requires mutual dedication and promises between two parties. This commitment, this covenant between God and God's people, it calls forth from them faith, worship, service, and, and a particular rule of life, a, a way of being in the world. And this isn't a commitment that can just be assumed to exist or can be taken for granted by anyone. It has to be living and active. It, it has to mean something. 
when, and when certain crucial moments arrive in this, in this storied relationship between God and his people, it calls for recommitment. It calls for a renewal, a rededication of vows. And here in Joshua 24, it's the end of the book of Joshua. It's such a decisive moment. These are Joshua's last words. He's about to die. And the, I love the biblical idiom that, that says, Joshua says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. So Joshua is about to die, and he's been the successor to Moses. And so you talk about this kind of continuity of leadership in God's people. You know, they, they went from having Moses to having Joshua, and now there's no successor. They don't have anyone. It's like the Green Bay Packers. They went from having Brett Favre to having Aaron Rodgers. Well, someday there's not going to be a successor there to pick up the ball. And what do you think those people, Ryan, what do you think those people are going to do? Yeah, it's going to be scary. <laughs> it's going to be very scary when there ain't no one to hand the ball to. God's people are at this decisive moment. They're, they're at this moment where there's no one to hand off leadership to. Right? Moses had led the people to the brink of the promised land. And then Joshua had led them in their conquest of the promised land. And now the Lord has promised, okay, that chapter is done, and, and now I'm granting you rest from all your enemies. And so this homeless people finally have a homeland, and these people who were slaves for so many hundreds of years in Egypt, they now have a chance to choose for themselves. And it's exactly this kind of decisive moment that calls for a recommitment, which means, you know, reevaluating who they are and how far they've come. And that's the beautiful thing about recommitting ourselves to someone or something. It, it allows us to look back and see just how far it is that we've come. And in a certain sense, it, it, it allows us to put to bed certain past mistakes that we've made and start over again. And that's what I think Sunday worship is. It, we can think about Sunday worship each and every week. It's a, it's a rededication ceremony for our commitment to the Lord, a chance to renew Commitments that we've made, many of us, a long, long time ago. And opportunities for recommitment, they're important, and unfortunately, I think in the church, we don't, we don't do them enough. We're good at that, the decision, you know, the decisive moment. We're not always as good about drawing attention to the renewal or the recommitment, but counter to this is early on in the, in the church planting process, this would have been five years ago, probably almost five years ago exactly, just keep finding these markers, almost five years ago, uh, uh, we were starting out, um, checking out different churches just to see how they were doing things, and one Sunday we went to Sanctuary Covenant Church in North Minneapolis, and it just happened to be, they were celebrating their 10th anniversary that Sunday, so it was really cool to be there at Ann Watton Middle School that day, and one of the things that they did as a part of that service is they had all the members stand up and renew their membership vows. And so at that crucial moment in that congregation's history, 10 years in, at Ann Watton Middle School, you know, on their second pastor, they took the opportunity to say, we're still in this together. And since then, God has done truly amazing things in that congregation. Since we visited, they built a new building. The first, I can't think of the last new church building that was built in Minneapolis, and they did it. And they transitioned, uh, transitioning to another pastor. And so when they read that, when they dedicated their building, they had a chance to dedicate themselves to one another again, to loving and serving the Lord together. 
So we have recommitment, but, but integral as we see to recommitment is remembrance. We can go through the life, especially the life of faith, on autopilot sometimes without much reflection. And there can come a point where we ask God, what have you done for me lately? And Joshua reminds the people of everything God has done for them. And even the place where all of this is taking place, where they've gathered, is, is meaningful. It, it was at Shechem, all the way back in Genesis 12, that the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. And Abram built an altar to the Lord there. And it was at Shechem that Abram's grandson, Jacob, he bought a piece of land and he built an altar. And it was there that he and his family said, okay, let's take all of our idols, our foreign gods, let's bury them right here under this oak tree. So it was a special place, a place of God showing up, promising things to them, promises which hadn't been delivered, and a a place of choosing too, who we're going to serve. And so it was those same commitments that God was calling the people of Israel to, at this moment, to recommit themselves to the Lord, to decide to be in an exclusive relationship with him and get rid of any other gods. It was a place where they could remember all that God had done for them and their family over the years. And so Joshua, he retells the whole story from from Abraham through the Exodus, through settling the promised land. And he's saying, remember this God how he chose you, saved you, protected you, fought for you, loved you. Recommitment is about returning to a special place to retell the old, old stories that remind us who we are. A couple of weeks ago, my family, we took our annual pilgrimage to the North Shore of Lake Superior. My dad's family started going there in the early 1960s, and I've been going up there my whole life. And each time we gather there, it's this, it's this holy, sacred place because we get to retell the same old stories year after year. And as the family has changed and grown, we get to tell those stories to new people. I get to introduce them to my children and, and my cousin's boyfriend and my sister's kids. We always tell them, you know, every year about how my grandma would spend half the weekend cleaning the cabin even though we say, no, Grandma, that's, that's one of the things that we're paying for is we, we, we don't live here. Someone will clean it when we leave. But she just had to do that. Or we tell them a story about when I was little and I was fascinated with the fire and so I would throw paper into it and one day I didn't even realize it took some paper out and threw it in my, from my pocket and threw it in the fire and it was money. And as I watched that money burn, tears just exploded from my face. And so everyone to make me feel better gave me money. And so I ended up getting more money back than I had actually thrown into the fire in the first place. And so you go back to a special place and you remember and retell the old stories and you rediscover who you are. You know, we tend to forget that, who we are. And so I remember at the North Shore, yeah, I'm a burgie. And so when we remember what God has done and we retell and remember the old stories that scripture are, you know, we're reminded that we're God's children. That's the same thing we get to do each and every week in worship. We get to remember who we are. We are God's people. That he chose us, saved us, pursued, and protected us. You know, what has God done for us lately? I mean, let us count the ways, even just here. Right? He took this ragtag bunch of folks who... We didn't know what this was going to look like or if we would make it and, and, and forged us into this beautiful little 
cooperative ministry. We got here with two services this fall. That's, we never thought that would happen. He brought us this wonderful associate pastor and his family a year ago. That was not even on the radar. We never would have thought that would have happened. And yet here we are. Right, he's helping us to get to know this wonderful family, this wonderful growing family from Burma and help fight for them when they were going to get evicted. We never even saw that coming when we said, yes, we'll co-sponsor a refugee family. Who would have seen that coming? God is good. Personally, I have to say, three years ago on October 23rd, God protected, he preserved the life of our little Gregory, right? He's our miracle baby. And so when I look at him, I remember God's faithfulness, who God is. And so all of that, that retelling the old stories, remembering and recommitment, it leads us to a point of decision. Who will we serve? Will we say, I do, all over again? Four years ago, Mike and Bridget, you did. You didn't have to. It would have been awkward and weird if one of you had said, well, you know, I don't, and walked away. But you could have. And Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. They're going to have to serve someone. So he says, even if serving the Lord seems evil in your sight, well, you're going to have to pick someone. You're going to have to serve someone. But it doesn't have to be the Lord. Because we all have a God. You know, even if it isn't, you know, God. Martin Luther has this wonderful reflection in his large catechism on the first commandment where it asks, what does it mean to have a God or what is God? And his answer is, that upon which you set your heart and put your trust is properly your God. That upon which you set your heart and put your trust is properly your God. So whatever it is you give your heart to and whatever it is you give your trust to, whoever, whatever that is, that is your God. So it isn't a question of, you know, do you have a God or not? It's which one. Even atheists in that, in that line of thinking have a God, something they trust, something they give your heart to. And, and most of us aren't that, but we have other and more tangible gods, gods of success and work, gods of education and status, gods of belonging to a political group that affirms that we think the right things and have the correct policies gods of security and stability. And the problem with all of those things is that when we make them gods, they can't give us what we want them to. They can't save us because they can't last and they can always, always, always be taken away. The only real God, the God we know in Jesus Christ, is stronger than anything. Only that God can love us with a love that is stronger than the grave. So recommitment and remembrance confronts us with a decision. Choose this day whom you will serve. And then Joshua says those those famous words of verse 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's the kind of verse you typically see cross-stitched on a doily hanging in your grandma's entryway. But there's nothing that's saccharine or, or sentimental about it. It's as serious as a heart attack. Right? It's the kind of thing you should hang on your wall, but it should be like a wedding ring, something that reminds you you've made a commitment. You've made promises that are going to be really hard to keep because sometimes those gods, those other gods are going to come calling and they're going to be alluring. Just like in a marriage, there are going to be times when it seems like someone else is going to be able to give you something that your spouse can't. 
And when that happens, there's this, you know, symbol, this ring that you can fiddle with and remember, I've promised my life to someone else and so I will forego momentary satisfaction or pleasure for the long-term joy that comes from keeping promises with reaffirming every day that one-time decision we made. When I was doing student ministry, invariably we'd go on retreat and students, you know, they would commit themselves to Christ or they'd rededicate their lives and I'd say, you know, that's great. That's great. But what matters most isn't just, or as much, isn't just this momentary decision. It's making the same decision that you made today, tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. Because what happens when you say yes over and over and over and over again is that what was just a decision becomes devotion. And devotion is what happens when our decisions become our default. Making a decision is easy. Living out that decision so it becomes devotion, that's hard. That's why Joshua and the people of God say, oh yeah, we want to do this. We want to serve the Lord too. He says, you, you can't do that. He's trying to dissuade them from making this commitment at this moment. And basically what he's saying to the people of Israel is, are you sure about this? Are you sure that you really want to say I do to this God? Because this God isn't just messing around. He's holy and jealous. He's not just the kind of God you can, you know, fool around on and, and step out on because there will be consequences. This God requires devotion. He's looking for commitment, not a casual relationship. Friends, it's the middle of October. You wouldn't know it from looking outside. I'm sorry for that. I can't do anything about that. I don't control the weather. But what I can say is the middle of October in the church, that means stewardship season. And I used to hate stewardship season. Because, you know, it comes around every fall, and every fall we talk about, okay, let's pledge our, pledge our support together for this common ministry we have. And it's easy to get cynical about that, or, or for a pastor especially, it's easy to get um, very self-conscious about this. But what I love about stewardship and generosity season, particularly, you know, where we talk about, okay, what time, what talent, you know, what treasure, what testimony, what, what can we pledge and commit to our work together? It's this beautiful way every year, this tangible way to express our devotion to Christ and to recommit ourselves to what God is doing here and what we're doing together. And so, you know, I think about it not so much now as, okay, well, it's this chance to say, like, here's how we keep the lights on. No. I mean, of course, we want to have lights. We want to have heat. God, Doug, God bless you for getting that boiler fixed so we can have heat this morning. I mean, it's truly wonderful. And Doug was here. He was getting his hands dirty you know, for hours this week so we could do this. That's a beautiful expression of just devotion, of stewardship, of commitment to saying this matters, this is important. And so it's his way to say I do all over again to this church, you know, every year. And it's the same for us. And, and so we get to say yes, yes, you know, we, we want to be about what God is about right here and right now with these people and whoever else we're graced enough to have God bring them in our midst. And we're going to say yes again, you know, to our common mission. We got the great commandment. Love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love our neighbors as ourselves. The great commission, make disciples and be disciples. And this common vision we have of, of being the type of community where we care just as much about the people who aren't a part of this church as we do the people who already are. And we get to do this all together for the glory of God, the good of the city. And so every day, every week, every year, 
we get to be invited to recommit ourselves to that, to choose this day whom we will serve. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please pray with me.